Love this podcast? Support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the link in the episode description to support us now. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Nicole. What is your favorite courtroom drama? Uh, oh, that Eddie now such gets to question. throw in the first questions? Okay, that's fine, I guess. You're part of the cold opens now. Sure. I mean, you know, I love, love me a good courtroom drama. So it's hard to pick, but I might have to either pick Inherit the Wind, which was about the Scopes mm. monkey trial. Mm-hmm. So it was like religion versus science. Or maybe 12 Angry Men, which is mm. just all about people debating whether or not a young man should live. Um, geez. Uh-huh. I mean, Anatomy of a Murder. I mean, there's so damn many. Just My like- Cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny. Yes, that's, that's a good, a good one. one. Yeah, that is a, a very really good, good one. one. Um, yeah, I mean, those are just like the first ones that come to mind. They don't really. It's like a genre that's kind of gotten out of favor, which is unfortunate because to me it's so dramatic. It's so like highly dramatic, so theatrical. Um, yeah, and- but I think the reason it's gotten out of favor is because of how TV has utilized it in procedurals. Yeah, that too, which is annoying. I guess it's yeah, not annoying yeah, because the procedural of... television shows are wonderful. No, That's it's why Order annoying SPD that hasn't... these television presences would take away from the film. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I'm thinking about it and I don't really like you guys were giving me a list right now. And I'm like, Oh, the only one I really know is my cousin Vinny. Really? Oh, time to not time, a time to kill. Mm, I don't That's really remember one. it that well. Oh, is that the, <laughs> I remember that one. That's one where it's just like, imagine your daughter. She's raped and then like dragged and now ima- a, a young girl, right? He starts yeah, the yeah. monologue starts off with like imagine a young girl, she's raped, dragged, murdered. Now imagine she's white and everyone starts crying and it's like <laughs> low key kind of ridiculous, right? Like, that is, yeah. It's, yeah. That is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's a movie of racism, so I guess it makes sense. That's also Matthew McConaughey's like best performance in my opinion. Wow. It's very interesting though, because Watching this particular movie made me think about all the other courtroom dramas that I have enjoyed too. So many. And sometimes, well, hold those thoughts, Eddie, because we'll be talking about what what is the name of these properties. The first one is the Kane Mutiny, and the second Kane one Mutiny. is the Kane Mutiny Court Martial. Oh, lovely. Rolando's favorite titles. subgenre. Awful. <laughs> like the titles are so terrible, but. We will be getting into it, Eddie, so save your thoughts. I'm Rolando. And I'm Nicole. And I'm Eddie Z. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast. About unoriginality. Some other uh, courtroom dramas that I want to put out there, other than like a few good men, uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. That's a, a I've never technically. Seen it. Oh, oh my you god! Got to see it. Yes. It's yeah, so, so good. good. It's so. What's good. it about? It's about a man who is fired from his job for being gay, and he also recently contacted HIV. Well, what's um, the story about? Is it him being fired or him having HIV? It's kind of how him having HIV affects this decision that he makes to sue the place that he worked for firing him for being homosexual, like on what grounds, you know, he was a great worker and all this stuff. So, okay. Um, never seen it. Well, you should, uh, to kill mockingbird. That's kind of a courtroom drama and that's a really classic movie. It's a classic story. 
Um, I've never seen the movies. Judgment at Nuremberg is a big, like, the atrocities of World War II put to trial. But these are all, like, older movies, but still. JFK yeah. is technically a, a, a courtroom drama. The Kevin Costner movie. Because mm-hmm, it's all about them trying to bring someone to trial for JFK's assassination. Oh, I've never seen that movie either. Isn't it like three hours long? It is, yes. And Primal Fear with Richard Gere also is a uh, pretty famous uh, courtroom drama. I don't know if which you know that Which was great. Movie. I know that. And I read the book. Oh, too. you did? That's great. Yes, which was crazy. Ugh. Crazy. Yeah. Like I said, heightened drama that, when it comes to uh, courtroom dramas. I would love a remake on that one. Ooh, Primal Fear. Yeah, that would mm-hmm. be good. That would be good. Especially, yeah, it's the ending is great too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, uh, wow. I guess this is just a genre that I'm not like a. I don't watch. What about Legally Blonde? That's not really a courtroom hmm. drama, but it does have courtroom elements. I, would, I mean, it does I have say, the. It, I mean, the last act really, right? Yeah. Is it like yeah. The... yeah, I would say so. You know, it's funny though because when you think of courtroom dramas, this is not really one that comes to mind, and yet it warranted itself a remake. Um, which is really interesting because they also update when this film takes place. Mm-hmm. And which makes it also interesting as to, we're going to get to the second one in terms of how they tackle this source material. But first, let's talk about the first property, which is the K-Mutiny. It's based on a play. It was a Pulitzer winning play, uh, play that came out in 1951. Is the K- play based off of a book, though? Or is it yeah, also so, a book, right? Yeah, it's a book. Then it became a play. Then it uh-huh. became a movie, all within like right. four years, I think. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and I know like the play was huge. Henry Fonda starred in the play, and the play is actually more similar to the second film, not the first one. The first film, I, kind I of think, imagined. is more so based on the novel. Um, the Kane Mutiny was a major hit when it came out. It was the second highest-grossing film of 1954. Do you just want to take a guess as to what the highest-grossing was? Because it's actually a film that. People, at least, if you've not seen it, they watch pretty yearly. It's become part of their uh, yearly Rocky tradition. Rocky Horror Picture Show? Rocky Horror Picture Show came out in 1975. Oh, okay. <laughs> something yearly. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, something Christmassy. Yes. White Christmas? Very good. White Christmas oh, was the up. highest classic wow. film of 1954. Very good. Yeah. Um. That's so amazing. right after it, yeah. So this also was produced by Stanley Kramer, who went on to make a lot of courtroom dramas like Inherit the Wind and Judgment at Nuremberg and whatnot. Uh, directed by... A, did he just love this genre? Oh! He okay. loved like really serious, dramatic films. That was like his thing. So do you, you count this movie, The Kane Mutiny, as a courtroom drama? Because it's only really like the last act where the courtroom drama I know. comes into play. Yeah, it's like half a courtroom drama. The second one is way more so one. Um... Stanley Kramer is also known for doing like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, I love that film. Yeah, so he like also loved to like push boundaries I mean, and, I and he was he political and stuff. No, <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. I know, I know. He did yeah. the original one. <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen the one with Lawrence Olivier, right? <laughs> no, not Lawrence Olivier. Wait, was it Lawrence? Who was it? It was Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier, maybe. Oh, Sid- that's who I'm thinking about. Sidney pa- Wait, Catherine Hepburn was in that? Yeah, she was in that. Yeah. Who was she in? Who was she? She was the mother of the white girl that they were oh. meeting. So, yeah. Wow, yeah, I remember Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier, Not yes. Lawrence Olivier. Sorry, guys. That's great. Oops. I see the similarity in your thought process. 
Um, this movie was directed by Edward Dimitri, which was actually, he was one of the Hollywood 10. Do you know what I mean when I say that, by the way, Rolando? The top 10 greatest Hollywood. <laughs> no. So in the 50s, the communist hunt was huge in this country. And everyone everywhere was being accused of communists and losing their jobs. And Hollywood was no exception. Mm, and so okay. there were uh, 10 original guys who were blacklisted film industry professionals because they refused to testify to the House of Un-American Activities Committee during their investigations. And because they refused to testify, they got blacklisted. Man, and let me so, tell you, the Red Scare Yeah, sounds like a fun time. Oh, yeah. Somebody, like a lot of films, actually, that's why they all... Like you get these big European films, like the Ten Commandments and stuff, because everybody left the country because they were all. That was a scared. European film. It was shot in Europe. Yeah, that's oh, and Europe man. had kind of like a, it added to their economy, the economic boom, because people didn't want to be in this country. So anyway, that's who made the film, and um, this is set in the Pacific Theater of World War Two, and mm-hmm. it is set on a fictitious. U.S. Navy destroyer minesweeper. Thank God for Wikipedia for helping me figure out the terminology here. Uh, yeah, and it's called the Kane, the USS Kane, and it's pretty much about this subsequent court martial of the mutiny of the executive officer. His name is Commander Quig, and it is played by Humphrey Bogart, who I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. You know Bogart. Right? Humphrey Bogart is yeah, Maltese Falcon, uh, Casablanca. Okay. Have you seen neither of those films? I, you know, I do watch <laughs> movies too. Yes, I have seen both of those films. Okay. Are you, so, you know, I think this is actually a really surprising role when it comes to at least people who like have this idea of who Bogart is because he's always cool. He's always kind of like the sly, slick guy. And he's very much lost his marbles in this movie. And he does a really good job at it. It really shows that he's... He, he was nominated. A bunch of people actually got nominated at the Academy Awards. This film won no Academy Awards. Good. But <laughs> he was nominated for actor. Uh, Tom Tully was nominated for supporting actor. You're not, you're not going to believe who he played. He played the commanding officer before Queeg. He got oh, nominated. Really? Yeah, he got Why? nominated. He was there for like all Two of seconds. 20 minutes. I guess everyone in the 50s just thought he was delightful. But nobody else oh. did. Um, not Van Johnson, who played Merrick. Not Fred McMurray, who uh, played Kiefer. Not our mm-hmm. beloved Robert Francis, who played Keith, who, by the way, died shortly after this film. Okay, that's unfortunate, but I... That's why you never saw him again, kind of a thing? I don't I mean, sure, I don't know who he was, but let me tell you, this character, Keith, didn't need him and his story and like his mama's boy's tendency and like the love story between him and the woman. Oh my gosh, first of all, I could if you could easily cut out 30 minutes of this whole movie if you could. It would all that be that. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that they chose, you know, Keith to be the main character, but I it kind of also makes sense why. Why? Because Cuz he's new. Because it's the 50s and because this film had a lot of like pushback from the Navy. They didn't want it to be made because they're like, we don't want you guys to depict us in the fact that we hired someone as you know, clearly problematic as Queeg into our, you know, command and stuff like that. Like, they don't want to be perceived in a bad light. They don't want to be disrespected. And they don't like these ideas of cowardice and stuff, which the movie really has to fucking tiptoe against. So in order Mm -hmm. for the movie to not take any sides, you have a really interesting main character being Keith, who's not responsible for anything. 
he's not, you know, the person who's being mutined against or committing the mutiny itself or directly responsible in an offshoot way for the mutiny. He's just sort of there. He's just your mm-hmm. bright, young, all-American boy, which is what the 50s were all about. So it does really make sense that they chose to do that. But again, I completely agree with you. That has not aged well at all, especially like some of the later scenes where the girl, they're like trying to connect and she's like, is your mother there? Yeah, <laughs> it was giving very thing. much Norman Bates, like from the Bates Motel, mm-hmm, the TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah, nowadays it's like... Not the film, you know? Yeah. It's it's almost oh yeah serial killer written all over him. It's it's kind of like Seymour Skinner from The Simpsons mm-hmm. and his mom, you mm-hmm. know, where it's just like overgrown boy and like mama's boy and stuff. So right, totally I mean, has yeah. When he goes well. off to vacation with her, she's like she's like oh I'm surprised your mom let you go out. Hey, he just flips out about that. Seriously, yeah. that's yeah. during the proposal right before the proposal. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So uh, the only good part about that story is that they shot at Yellowstone, which was pretty, but like that was it. Okay. Yeah. That's, I could... Or Yosemite. I'm sorry. Yosemite. Yosemite. You're right. It was Yosemite. But I mean, 30 minutes of my life that I could have gotten back <laughs> if, I, if I didn't have this storyline. Yeah, I know. Because so... the rest of the story is actually pretty compelling. It is. Yeah. So, you know, Keith is brought on to the, the cane and it has this other officer and he's really lax and he's really chill and his crew loves him. Um... I forget what his name is. I think it's like DeVries or something like that. But but... Keith, who's fresh out of college and like wants to make the Navy a career is kind of like, you know, he looks down on this officer pretty much for the way he leads the ship. So when he's pretty much taken off and has a new commanding officer entering the cane, Keith is really happy. Enter Commander Queeg. And Queeg is not only like a super disciplinarian, but he has like a personality disorder that they keep referring to as paranoiac. Mm-hmm. I feel like, is that the correct word for what Queeg is in your opinion? Uh, well, I'm not a medical psychiatrist or something. I, I, I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know what DSM they were on back then, mm-hmm. but they use it again in the most recent one. They do. So I'm assuming if it were updated, they probably would have updated it to reflect the modern definition. Yeah. He, I I thought it was narcissism, which itself can be a personality disorder. Yeah, absolutely. Hints of narcissism, definitely. There is a bit of paranoid behavior. Definitely just a personality disorder to the max. Um, Quig is... He just needs to be listened to and heard and respected. Mm-hmm. And if he's not, you will feel his wrath kind of a thing. Yes. So, and the movie just kind of takes you from incident to incident and how these men deal with it. Yeah. In particular, Merrick, who's like the right-hand man to Queeg, Keith, our main character, and Kiefer, who's just kind of like smart alecky, swarmy, you know, wannabe writer, doesn't even really like the Navy. And he's the one who's yeah. like, yo dude, this guy fucking sucks. Like, don't you guys see? He's this, this, and that. And he puts, you know, these ideas of paranoia, a paranoiac into everyone's head. Um, the three of them decide that they're going to complain to a higher up about him. But right when mm-hmm. they get on the ship, they realize that they'll be accused of mutiny and they'll lose their careers in the Navy and they decide not to do it. Until a couple instances later, they're pushed too far during a typhoon. And... Merrick decides to make the call and he relieves the commander of his duties 
and commits mutiny. Now, what do you think about this whole idea of mutiny? <sighs> Expand your question. What do you mean? Like, so do I approve a, of mutiny? There's a specific word for when, you know, a person in charge has to be relieved of it and taken over by other people on board, right? Or at least somebody in charge is pretty much disrobed of their uh, title and their position. Well, I've experienced mutiny before in the friend groups, right? Where I was <laughs> B, and then you have all of a sudden you've been kicked out of like a group chat and stuff, which I consider mutinous behavior, but it's fine. I'll exact my revenge eventually. <laughs> so, and that's it. Yeah. So having like people that, you know, you're supposed to like be in charge of or something, you know, usurp you and go over you. Like, is that something that is, should be considered a crime or just like messed up? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because in the military, we're talk- there's a hierarchy to the military, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I think mutiny is not something you hear in, like, in regards to, like, a platoon or, like, uh, you know, usually you hear it, like, in naval bases and stuff, in naval academies. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't really hear it in the context of, like, you know, the Army, the Marines. So I, I can't speak to, like, if it's specifically only to the ship because the ship is so hierarchical, hierarchical. Right? Like, mm-hmm. the ship has a command. And with ships, you're also, like, I feel like way more isolated than you are usually, like, in the mil- uh, other branches of military. Uh, maybe with the exception of uh, Air Force, because you're usually on ships also in the Air Force, right? I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of mutiny, uh, do, what do I think of mutiny? I mean, I don't know. Like, this movie would have you believe that it is so difficult to it's so egregious yeah oh well i was gonna say it's just like i mean we have both films made it clear that we have these rules in place for officers to take command in the event that their leader is incapacitated in some form but if we're also going to be treating such uh like such taking such action as such a crime then why even have the ability Mm, right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. here's i guess this is my issue with not and this isn't i don't know how how close this is to true life right but if if it is a power in for other executive officers to take command of a ship because they have deemed that the captain isn't isn't uh isn't well in the head right i don't think it should automatically be considered mutiny unless there was like intent to just kick someone out of power. Right. Yeah. That's my, I guess that's my understanding. That's where it's like confusing a little bit because mm. I don't know if Merrick committed mutiny per se, but I also don't know because, you know, I think the first film, the Kane mutiny does a really good job of showing you that Humphrey Bogart's character, uh, Queeg, which I hated that name because it reminds me of Queef. I know. I feel like they choose chose that name in particular too. Was queefing a thing back then? <laughs> I don't know if it was queefing, but like the it just doesn't sound like a great sound. Name, it doesn't yeah. sound like a good name. Like it's yeah, yeah almost very queer. Uh, but mm. I don't. But since the movie kind of does make us lead us to believe that like yes, Queeg was not all there in the head. Is Merrick wrong? Should he should ha- he had been in trial anyway? Yeah. Which is why I get confused by the way the movie the, the story ends. The story ends with the defense lawyer for 
uh, Merrick after Merrick gets court-martialed for mutiny mm-hmm. comes to the conclusion that Merrick shouldn't have been on trial. It should have been his friend Kiefer. Yeah. Because Kiefer was the one who wanted Quig out of command because he doesn't even like the military, right? And there's a big dramatic scene where the defense lawyer throws, you know, alcohol in his face. Very housewives-like, you know, mm-hmm. on Bravo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, for some reason, we go back to fucking Keith. And I was just like, I'm, I'm so done with this film. <laughs> <After> that, like... <laughs> so, that's the thing. So, after Merrick relieves him of duty, they are court-martialed. And when they are court-martialed, mm-hmm. Kiefer kind of changes his tune. And he pretty much betrays Merrick and any part he had in the mutiny. And he makes it look like this was Merrick's decision alone because he wanted to save his own ass. And so the mm-hmm. defense lawyer, who is reluctant to take it in general because, you know, mutiny is something that doesn't happen. If you actually look into it, there's not many cases of mutiny within the United States Navy. In fact, I actually found a lot of cases this year alone of mutiny in Russia, but couldn't find a lot happening in America. So it truly is something that doesn't happen. Like, Well, they could also keep it very hush-hush, you know. They could, yeah. Whereas yeah. in the... It says that, like, in 2022 alone, there were three instances of mutiny in the Russian naval infantry. Interesting. I wonder if that's related to, A, the war, obviously, in the Ukraine, but you know how uh, that one dude tried to have, like, an uprising against Putin? Yes, yes, it I could wonder be. if it was possibly related to that. I wonder. Well, as far as we know, like Rolando's good point says, there's not a lot of things about mutiny. So it seems that people are really afraid of it. So Kiefer gets cold feet, completely betrays Merrick on the stand, and it's just like, oh, I told him not to do it and all this stuff. So later on, when the defense lawyer, Greenwald, kind of like comes for Kiefer, he's, he accuses him of being a coward, which is a huge thing in this thing of what it is to be a coward and how shameful it is to be a coward. And we're talking about the military here. That's the one thing you're not supposed to be. But also, like, it was cowardice of these people to relieve their commander of the duty who of his duty because he had battle fatigue. He was a man who had way more experience than most of them, way more scars than most of them. And they just were being essentially babies complaining about his behavior when they should have more respect. That's kind of like the tone that the defense lawyer essentially says at the end of his speech at the end of the movie. So it's right. It's very interesting. I agree with you in terms of what is the author of the Kane mutiny trying to say, you know, like were these men right? Were they wrong? Or is the whole system flawed or is the whole system not being respected enough? Like where are they coming from? Did you ever like settle on like a thematic tone that you thought the author was going for? Well, you know me. I watched these in reverse, right? So I saw the Kane Mutiny Court Martial mm. Showtime first, and then I went on to watch this one. Uh, I think I ultimately settled, I guess, in thinking of the new one where, because I feel like this one, because the 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 original, the first one, the one the nineteen fifty four, yeah, the nineteen fifty four film. I don't think, I don't know. It feels like it had no side. 
I don't think Ooh. it was necessarily trying to. It was trying to play it safe on both ends. I felt like. Well, it had to. Also, this is the age of the code. Right. They had to. Okay. I mean, they had the the uh, cooperation of the navy. That's why they had all those boats and stuff. So they really mm-hmm. had to tiptoe around things. Yeah. So, but I think because of that, because I think that's why I actually do. Th- I think the the new one kind of makes a stronger critique of the system is flawed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, but it kind of does. I think it, it kind of throws out that message at the very end, also at the same time, because of the uppity, you know, defense lawyer in the military tribunal. Mm, right? yeah. That's my I think that's the biggest like hindrance to both these movies that this lo- uh, the lawyer, the defense attorney is too. He's too. He sees the world too black and white. Right. Because he is so quick to blame Kiefer for selling the name of, uh, of, of Queeg, not, but doesn't take ownership of the fact that like, but Queeg deserves it. Like, yeah. Queeg at no point, especially when you watch the movie, can you argue that Queeg was 100% the right? Like, Oh, he deserves, here's the thing, I guess ultimately with both these movies, that kind of just frustrates me. There's this idea that like with age, with uh, what's it called? With rank comes automatic respect. And I don't think that is inherently true. Period. Mm-hmm. I just do not subscribe to that belief, and I know me and Eddie are going to go at this, especially when we talk about the new one. Oh, Eddie's getting the microphone ready to, 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 to <laughs> yeah. snap back. But that's my firm belief, and I don't, and it's difficult because in the military, in branches of government, usually, right, there is kind of this auto- automatically accepted belief that, like, with age comes wisdom, uh, with a, a experience comes uh you the more experience you have in something like the more bulletproof you are yeah, the more respectable respectable your character is and all that but no yeah it's not even about the respectable character but it's more how more bulletproof you are to criticism from, okay from the lower from from people lower in the hierarchy despite the fact that there is genuine criticism right and because of that immunity to criticism it creates a system where someone could be fucked up in the head and no one is willing to do anything about it because, well, he's a captain. And that is why ultimately it's just like, this is, is it's a, it's weird. It's, it's unusual. Yeah. Well, but that's also why I think the whole thing exists. And the fact that they are all being, you know, tried and have to go to court for doing this because it's like, here's someone who is clearly going through something. Right. Mm-hmm. But now it's becoming this whole thing for us to relieve him of his duty and to pretty much save us during a typhoon, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. I think in the, the second one is something else because of the system Cyclone. and because of everything you just said, because we have to, you know, kind of respect this person just because they have more years on us or something. What mm-hmm. becomes kind of confusing is is Greenwald himself and where he stands because he's so outraged. <coughs> by these guys that he defended, even though Quig, when he goes up on the stand, he shows his true colors. He exhibits very odd behavior to the point where like, mm-hmm. it kind of stuns everyone that they're like, whoa, this is who, this is what everyone was talking about, right? Right. <clears throat> but then Greenwald is pretty much like, you guys mistreated Quig. And if I were to have written the book, I would have written it about him because that was a real uh-huh. hero and all this stuff. I understand Which attacking is- Kiefer for being a coward, for not actually staying true to your, you know, your principles, right? 
Like you're mm-hmm. the one who put this idea in everyone's head. You instigated it. Stand by it. That I get. Sure. But what I don't get is this whole like all of you suck and all of you are babies who don't respect this great man for even though they all just saw him freak out on this on the stand. Exactly. This is this is where I I get the confusion from both of them because he witnessed. It's just like fine, you had to destroy a man's reputation to like protect your client, right? Well, guess what? You're an attorney. That's your duty. But but for you, after the trial is all said and done, for you to then go in there and say, like, oh, but he was still a good man. It's just like, yeah, maybe once. Maybe at one point he was, right? But there are two things that could be true. He could be a high-ranking officer, and he could have a couple of screws loose and still not be fit for command. Yeah. And there's also, like, there's all this assumptions that <clears throat> because he had to be relieved of his duty that, like, it's embarrassing. And it brands him as a person and stuff. And it's like, you can have your reputation and the respect that we have intact. I was just realizing that it's time for you to step down. Mm-hmm. Which so. is a huge issue I have currently with our uh, branches of government, specifically like in the legislative. I mean, let's look at Diane Feinstein. She died basically a corpse uh, and a shell of her former glory, right? She was, what, California's first senator? Uh, maybe she was like one of the first female senators we had, period. And she stayed way too long in office. Mm-hmm. Absolutely too long. She died. And with that, she tarnished her reputation because she stayed way longer than she needed to. At the end of her legislative, uh, of her career, she was literally just a corpse just there. Unfortunately, <laughs> And it sounds so cruel, I'm saying, but it is absolutely true. Here's my beef with Nancy Pelosi. Great. A wonderful figure and a historic figure, especially in the Democratic Party. But you know what? You don't need to run again for office. Give up. Give up your tenure for new blood. All right? And that is my ultimate beef that I have had. And this movie kind of just reignited that when I was watching both of these. It's just like, God, there is this idea that, like, with age, it's just like we should have so much respect. It's just like, no, you know what's more respectful? Stepping aside just stepping aside and letting some younger generations. Yeah, but that's like the whole thing. I, I don't agree with that. I there don't, I don't, go. I don't agree. It, it's like, it, it's like saying there's a whole generation that no longer has anything to offer. That Yeah. They okay. Have- and, and also people, it, it, it's, it's so shitty. It's like people spend their lives and devote themselves to whatever cause. Right. Mm-hmm. And whatever circumstances may come or if they're, they're, they're approaching things the same old way, right? But they still have something to offer. There is something to say about experience. There's something about saying that people who are still there are still toiling no matter what um, to to be part of whatever system, you know? And I, I, I don't think this idea of, hey, step aside, let another generation take care of. I, 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 I hate, I'm always, I'm, there has to be a check and balance in that. It can't be black and white yeah. on it. It can't be black and white, right? I, I could understand that there's some people, um, for whatever particular reason, they are no longer capable to do their job to the best of their ability, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and there are other people that still can. Right. So you can't say, hey, you're old. You need to get out. I just think that's... That's 
disrespectful for people's commitment and sacrifice. And let me tell you something. If I'm if, if this is the way we're going to approach it, then why should I devote or why should I continue to devote myself to a life trying to offer a life of service to others, noting that one day someone's going to say, hey, you got to go because we need this job for somebody else, somebody younger too. And I, I think that that's a problem. I think the problem there problem. is that you should I think we- I think eventually we'll end up in Logan's run where at a certain Ooh. age you're not useful. <laughs> you're not useful and we have to make room for someone younger and better. No, so here's too. the thing. I don't think like I'm not arguing and saying that like all old people should retire at a certain age. By all means, that's not what I'm saying. But it does but, come out like that. No, but yeah, I'm talking about I think the roles of leadership though, that that they should be like age limits or anything, but there is a certain point where if just you're holding on to power for too long, right? If you're in that position of leadership for too long, you are a problem, period. Period, with a T at the but end of that Who determines one. too long? Well, that's... Who the, determines like, here, too all right, long? All right, let's, okay, here, all right, let's look at... Who, who, and uh, we're, we're getting a little political here, guys. Sorry, but it, this is a movie I mean, about... I, I love this right government. <laughs> No, but like, look at, look at, look at Biden, right? I'm going to vote blue. A million percent. I am. But Jesus Christ, like, Biden, like you should have just been a one-term president. You should have put your ego aside, all right, and just let other people run. Because guess what? We don't need. Like we don't. Need, like I think he is such a. I think Are you going to oh. compare his ego to someone else's ego here? Oh my God! But Trump okay. is another one who I don't all think right. should be so, running. So for uh, for other reasons, but, but like thing age is, is if, if, thing. If, if, if someone doesn't step up, or if someone doesn't buckle down, or, or someone doesn't decide, hey, you know what, I'm. Even though I can walk away from this, I'm gonna stay here a little bit longer. It's ego. You're doing it for your ego, though. That's the thing. Because I, here's the thing. Because like, see what you're saying? Like you're saying it's just like, oh, I have still so much to give. But you, but you know what? So do others, right? Enjoy your golden years or or whatever. Like so, Queeg has as uh, going back to the movie. Of, you work. You ever work with old people? With old, with seniors? I I mean I've 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 done work at volu- at nursing homes okay. and stuff. And and what did you experience with them? I mean, there's a loneliness. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's a point where people feel like they're, they're no longer, uh, they're no longer. Their society makes them feel, or culture makes them feel that they're no longer have anything else to offer. There's nothing to contribute. There's even there's the sense of like, I don't matter within this system. Okay, you know, so we have to think about because. We're in aging. We're where our lifespans are increasing. Yeah. <laughs> the idea is there are going to be a lot more people that we would consider, uh, in the category of a senior citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, in this country. Right. Right. What's going to happen to that? Well, I, I, and then when when this leads to several forms of depression, loneliness, uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Because people are no longer feeling useful anymore. Yeah, no, feeling useful anymore. I do, but there are huge ramifications about this, and I I just want to point out that we have seen studies that have shown that Gen X, Gen Millennials, and now uh, Gen Z are all suffering, are all actually now doing more poorly career-wise because boomers refuse to retire, though, right? There are ramifications, economic ramifications for holding on to your positions and stature for too long. All right. Like there just are. 
All right. And I, I'm not saying that I have the answer. And I'm not saying that like all old people should retire. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that cold at, by any means, but I also do think that that when someone stays in, in power for too long, there is an ego. There is uh what's it called? There's almost a selfishness that's driving them. Go That goes to Queeg. So Queeg was paranoid, but there was also this sense of like, I am the leader and everyone has to listen to me. And there's a certain level of respect that he deserve that he feels he's entitled to. No, it's the office. It is the position It's the title there. There is, a, this is military is different. It is, right, right, but, we have to, we have to understand. We don't want our military to start infighting when we need them. Right. So imagine that <laughs> we are dealing with wars. We are dealing with uh, certain situations and now whatever, like, whatever specific uh navy ship all of a sudden uh it it is divided during okay. during a battle or during a sensitive time uh-huh right and then you have that situation but then what 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 how's that gonna affect us well, or or how easy we can't make it easy for that to happen i don't think we should make it easy for a mutiny to take place well that's definitely not so but then why, why even have these then why have because stuff like that this, has to be investigated because rule. Because if the rule is there for a certain reason, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but when it gets now, I'm I'm speaking out of my ass. I have no idea of this. I just know this shit from like whatever movie uh, I've seen. So I'm like, yeah. please don't come at me because I don't know any the real the real story behind this. But um, but a, a rule is in place just uh, just in case, right? A situation arises. The commander is no longer fit. The captain is no longer fit. Uh, to run mm-hmm. but he doesn't he that person he or she does not realize it and someone has to step in mm-hmm. for the sake of the whole crew mm-hmm. right but when that's acted that has to be investigated that has to be investigated mm-hmm. and when it's become questionable then the charges of mutiny are in play okay right okay which is true which is what we witness in this movie until the very end when that up, uppity lawyer decides to throw the drink in the guy's face, being like, oh, but you guys are the bad guys. It's just like, but are they? What did they do wrong? Like, yeah, sure, they didn't like Queeg, and you had to sully his reputation, but he kind of deserved it. That- he dug his own grave. Okay. <laughs> that The ending, like, I was reading a little bit about it, right? Okay. The ending still leaves me a little cold, unease about the situation, too. I felt like there was... I felt like there should have been uh, maybe another scene of something of reflection that should have taken place that led to this. Just because he comes in, he's drunk, and he says all these things, yeah, right? He comes in and very he, hot, yeah. And then he's like, but it's you. I defended him because technically he was innocent in this mm-hmm. because you were the mastermind, right. you know, speaking to the author. Um, so that was like this point. Like, I was feeling like, hmm. Okay, <laughs> I feel like uh, it should have been something else. It should have been an extra something else to kind of like lead us a little bit more into this. Yeah, give us a sense of why he came across with like came across in that way. Yeah, like making it sound like you young people are in ingri- not grateful. Yeah, of this man, which right? Uh, uh, I think I need, to, a I need clarity on that. Yeah, but then it's like. With with Queef, you're not Queef. Hun- Queef. <laughs> I hated this name so much. Uh, it was like, yeah, there's there definitely were some things there. There definitely seemed to be some things there, you know. Um, 
And in a lot of ways, he was trying to be the best at what he was. You Despite know? the fact that he has shown acts of cowardice. And it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated because it is so it's, interesting it's, about it is that it doesn't yeah. really give you a set answer and it doesn't really make itself known to be on this side or that side. What it does is it creates interesting conversations like the one I just witnessed between you two. And it also and makes you, were you question. Quiet there watching us fight. Well, I, I was enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> you weren't fighting. You were stating your, your truths on different Opinions, sides. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you both are right in your own ways. And that's what's so interesting about this material, you know, like, was it a true mutiny? You know, did this man deserve it? And was he too too old, too bitter, too paranoid to be leading them, mm-hmm. you know? Or was, were these kids kind of, like, not treating this man with respect? Were they just, like, they just wanted him out of there? You know, mm-hmm. it, like, adds, asks all these questions. And what's interesting about this new film, which is on Showtime, is that it's just a court martial. It takes place... Well, technically in two rooms. It takes place in the main court, and then it takes place at, in the last 10 minutes at the party for Kiefer. 10 minutes? That was like five minutes. I yeah, not like. even. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Five minutes. Excuse me. Uh, so it's it was strictly, like a monologue. Then. <laughs> it's a very much like a, a play. It feels like the play that it's based on, and uh-huh. it's just all dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's directed by William Friedkin, who's... You know, we talked about his films before. We talked about the boys of the band. We talked about The Exorcist. This is a filmmaker mm. who just died two months ago. And oh, wow. this was his last film. Um, he hasn't made anything as prolific in his last couple 20 years after the failure of cruising, you know, maybe to live and die in L.A. in 1985. But other films, you know, they didn't really quite ever get to be the level of like say the exorcist and stuff but he's been a Mm -hmm. working filmmaker literally up until his death he made this film in two weeks he made it in 14 days before he died and also lance riddick who was in this has also died yes fairly recently um Uh, yeah what was the budget on this because like the budget i am unaware of actually okay i'm just because like let me tell you the first half hour i was just like is this like a hallmark original movie because the quality of the filmmaking was kind of borderline it's so interesting because this is the type of film you look at and you're like they don't make movies like this anymore and for you you look at a hallmark movie and stuff because the type of film that this is was probably you find more so in the 90s but now i guess Mm -hmm. you find it on hallmark but it's just it's purely just filming the actors you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a freaking play essentially um and it just it it did feel kind of like to me i thought more so like wow this feels so old school Mm -hmm. in the sense where obviously this is an older filmmaker so uh, to rolando's point too you know should it have been directed by a younger filmmaker (laughs) i mean they're just like trying to get their breakthroughs uh, but he he probably knew the original 50s film. He also wrote the screenplay, even though it's based on a play. So this was very much a passion project for him, I'm sure. And it's with Kiefer Sutherland as Commander Quig. Jason Clark plays the defense attorney, Lieutenant Greenwald. Uh, Jake Lacey mm-hmm. plays Merrick. Louis Pullman, the son of Bill Pullman, plays Kiefer. Oh. Yeah. I thought he looked familiar. Okay. Also, we forgot to talk about the two attorneys in the first film, but let's just say that the uh, prosecuting attorney in the first film, E.G. Marshall, was the best. He was such an asshole. Every time he talked, 
and he can like came down on the defense's case i just wanted to smack him across the face yeah he was he was great but i felt that way about this defense yeah team. so this, this, uh, this lead prosecutor is played by monica raymond but that's the thing the prosecutor is always someone that i think is supposed to like rifle your feathers in a lot of ways because you know she in this case she in the first film he they're there to very much like focus on the issue at hand and so they don't really want any sort of let's say character analysis about queeg mm-hmm and it's interesting, too, because the way that they their closing argument is how they focus so much on Queeg that nobody even focused on Merrick. What about Merrick's mental mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it's great. You know, I, the reason I love courtroom dramas is it's because it's, like, so psychological, too. It's, like, people trying to mess with you. I, I don't, I'm sure courtrooms are not nearly as engaging as films make them to be in real life. No, there's actually a thing called the Law and Order Effect, uh, which is, like, a lot of jurors have seen so much like courtroom dramas that they expect it to be as such when they're actually jurors. Yeah. And when it's not, there's actually like so much proof of uh, studies out there that prove that like, Oh, they become disinterested and don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or they're expecting, they're expecting evidence that will never come like, you know, DNA evidence. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or some like, yeah. mysterious witness to like barge in yeah it's, or like yeah or like the enha- like we get that joke a lot like enhance the pictures like we can't enhance a picture what are you talking about yeah like, but they're, exactly. you know, jurors are waiting for all this kind of evidence it's just like no that's not how real life works i know i know what a shame what a shame they're expecting a show they're expecting yes they are expecting a show because yeah. we have conditioned them to think that that's what being in a in a court proceeding is like yeah um, but that's why I love the genre because it's so engaging because it's so like, it really messes with you. And, and usually, you know, in a good courtroom drama, the prosecutor will talk and then the defense will talk and then you'll be all out of sorts as to, damn, that was a good argument. Damn, that was good too. I love my lawyers to have a Southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, me too. And like very foghorn, leghornish. So the original film shows you everything Queeg does. You see yes. for yourself. You know, you see the strawberry incident. You see the yellow, uh, what do they call him again? The dye. Yellow stain. Yellow stain. yellow stain. You see the yellow stain. Old yellow right? stain. Yeah. Old yellow stain. But in this new film, you just hear about it, right? Now, do you think that- You hear that about it through the point of views of the characters who experience it as the, if you would at like a courtroom drama. Yes, exactly. So, like, in, or if you were in a courtroom, like you are hearing points of views, and you're supposed to make your own inference based off of what they have said. I actually kind of liked that approach a little bit better because oh, me too. It, yeah, yeah. Like then it kind of because bef- by the time we got to the court martial of the original film, you already knew Quig was guilty. But if mm-hmm. I were to have seen this first, like you did, I'm sure at some point you didn't know whether or not Quig was guilty. Now, can you tell me whether or not you did? I thought uh, I didn't think he was guilty until we saw him on the stand. The second time or the first time? What do you mean? Because remember, he opens the. Oh, festival. the second time. The second time when he when he starts displaying that he's not all there. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So the film kind of had you believing one thing and then another. That's more effective storytelling yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, the film had me believing that, like, okay, is is, because I mean, the the the, uh, the prosecutor was like a really good prosecutor and like really ripping apart like some of these uh, defenses, 
Yeah. And it's not until we actually see Quig and kind of break him down yeah. that we wit- that we're able to like kind of come. It's like, oh, maybe they did have a point, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. What did you think of Kiefer Sutherland's performance? I hated it at first because I don't know what was up with his face, but I came to appreciate it by the end. What was up with his face? I don't know. I think too much, a little bit too much filler, a little bit too. He also had like a weird lockjaw thing going on. Mm. I don't know. I was like, or like from too much yanking being done, like face wow. lifts allegedly, or okay. if it was like his like the way he was just like portraying the character. Interesting. I thought this was one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. It's so not what you would expect from Kiefer Sutherland. I, I think- don't see him in much things, to be honest. So I can't like tell you what else. I, he was on phone booth. He's the voice. I guess. <laughs> he was in front of him. Oh my god. Yeah, but like twenty four. Twenty four. I've never exactly. seen twenty four. Stand oh by me. God. Like he's. You just kind of get like again. It's very Humphrey what? Bogart, where where you get this cool, slick kind of guy who's always in command, no pun intended. And now here's a role reversal for him, where now yeah. you know even though he is a commander, he's very much kind of not in control of things, and he's not as slick, and he's he's questionable. And mm-hmm. I think I even think that he might have taken a couple of like cues from Bogart's portrayal. Um, like it's kind of hard to not acknowledge it in his performance but he also very much made it his own i think he did great in terms of at least a complete contrast for all of his uh most known roles so Mm -hmm. everybody else you know i don't know it's it's interesting because when you have a more established actor playing a role like that and then they surprise you with their portrait it's like better than just like people who you have no idea what they're capable of kind of a thing because it's I more suppose. of a surprise. You have more of an emotional reaction to it. Oh, I don't know. I liked Lance Riddick a lot. Lance Riddick is great. Yeah. Yeah, he was good in the film. Uh, I think the who also the, passed away. Who also mm-hmm. passed away? Yeah. And then, uh, but Monica, you said what was the actress's name? Monica Raymond. Uh, yeah. Well, she was great. She, yeah. She was, great. she was just yeah. I mean, she, she also had the giving. best. She, she had the best giving. lines. Yeah. No, she she mm-hmm. she was serving. She was serving. For yeah. Sure. No, I for sure. Like, serving justice. Serving cunt. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. I mean, and There's for it to be just like constant serving justice, serving cunt, that's a great book name. Um, <laughs> I think that that's Ali McBeal, the remake. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that hasn't been done yet. I, it just, it focuses more on the drama and just kind of like putting into the questions more so like who's right and who's wrong here. And you've kind of established where you are with this, Rolando, and how it's more so you think it is somewhat attacking the system, although you felt a little frustrated you know, by the end of both properties because you weren't quite sure where at least Greenwald, the character, the defense attorney, stood. Uh, yeah. Or at least where he came from. Um, right, like, he, he's really mad. At, and it, it takes, it, it does take, so I feel like the the more, the new one, right? Mm-hmm. It does take more of an ageist look uh, and it goes into the, into the current events, right? So we do, it's been, what, 21 years since 9-11? Mm-hmm. Or, or has it been no it's been 22 years now i think uh and that's one of the things that comes up a lot with military right we have seen a drop in the number of people enrolling to the military because numbers were so high for the past like i feel like 10 15 years because so many young people lived through 9-11 and they had they felt like a reason to go and fight uh and he reminds us that like well Queeg, he was doing it before 9-11 right He'd been serving like like diligently for 
uh, years prior to 9-11, unlike you, like basically saying you shit has you all signed up because you guys all thought there was a cause and stuff and were ready to see action and, and, mm. and whatnot. But it, it kind of, but again, the message started getting a little wonky for me because it's just like, okay, yeah, but like, like people, like people who serve in the military are not necessarily just doing it for the line of duty or to protect your country, right? Sometimes people are just doing it because it's a job. That's true. Yeah, because they have you know no I mean? other option. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Uh, would, would you consider these properties to be patriotic? You broke up a little. What was it? Do you consider these properties to be patriotic? Oh, that's a really good question. Ooh. Uh, the first one more so. The first one had to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, this the, again, one, the 50s and whatnot. They had to be. The new one? I don't know. Because it's kind of critiquing the military on some level. It absolutely is. But it's also absolving it a little bit. I don't know. It doesn't make it a very glamorous. It doesn't, it doesn't paint the military in a very glamorous light. Yeah. But then yeah, it also which, isn't like... Which I feel like it's usually a hallmark of patriotic shit. Like, patriotic stuff doesn't really... But, the whole point of patriotic is to, like, is like America's the best. Yeah, ah. yeah. But the diatribe against Kiefer, is that against, you know, because he's such an un-American prick, or is it because, you know, he's a coward? Oh, I don't... So, that's a great question. I don't know if... See, I don't think they resolved that he, if he was a coward or not. I think they exemplified acts of cowardice right but i think more so what they exemplified is just like but it's uh it's that he was uh just oh i guess they did i think the, the second no one they did more that he was yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. and then yeah. and they also like he yelled at merrick for being kind of like his puppet you know like you're a coward and you made him your stooge and he just mm-hmm. kind of like did every thought that you put into his head so it's more so coming for people who aren't you know, strong of character, essentially, not like sticking to like sticking to their principles and sticking to who they truly are. And that seems mm-hmm. to be more so what's at gripe, at least for this lawyer in the second film. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he clearly does do the ages thing, too. But it also the fact that this is done by a filmmaker who, you know, recently died, who is about 80 years old. Do you think that has somewhat to do with the uh, perception at the end, too, where it's like, hey, this older guy does kind of maybe look down on Gen Zers and millennials for being crybabies? <laughs> I mean, you know, look at I feel like a lot of. Oh, I mean, look at us. Right. We're we're like Gen millennials. Right. Mm-hmm. Do we look down on Gen Z for how they do video productions? Yeah. No, I'm asking you. Uh, I think that every generation inherently judges every other generation they're not a part of. It's kind of like a us versus them mentality that is absolutely inherent in all of us. Totally. Um, but and that's the thing. Like, I do understand. That's the one thing I understand. I do understand Kiefer the attack on Kiefer's cowardice, and the lack of true character that he displays, mm-hmm. and kind of like leaving his friend up there to die in a court marshall um but i do agree with you and that it becomes a little iffy as to where because then it becomes this weird sense of patriotic especially when you bring up like 9-11 and whatnot even though this guy is clearly not well 
We all just witnessed yeah. how unwell he is. Who's right. who's Who are willing to look past it because of his rank? And it's just I like, guess I so. Know, are what? we <laughs> like what? Like yeah. not how we should work? Or like what matters is the fact that right now he was you know not great, or was it his twenty plus years of service that we should remember mm-hmm. and judge a man by? Who knows? Like, mm-hmm. and that's also kind of one of the things. Like, what is it to be you know a man and a good man or whatever? Um, oh God! And I just had a question for you, and I just it completely. It was a good question. I completely lost it. No, oh, yeah. I'll tell you. Whose breakdown oh. did you enjoy more, Bogarts or Sutherland's? Oh, uh, Sutherland's. Mm, I, think I, I think I I like Bogarts a little bit better. Okay. I, I think Sutherland had, like, a little bit more of a break. So, interestingly enough, I think Bogarts was more dramatic, whereas Sutherland's mm. was sadder. Maybe that's what I... Yeah, I did. I, I did feel... I'm like sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Maybe that's why I and that is, ended up liking his. That is good. I mean, that's a great characteristic, you know. That's a whole range of emotions for you to feel about this character and stuff. But in terms of like a tour de force performance, you know, you kinda wanna smack the shit out of Humphrey Bogart <laughs> in that first movie, man. Yeah. But you also have a lot more to work with by with Bogart, right? Like yeah. with Bogart, you're actually watching him do everything. So by the time he's yeah. had that breakdown, you're just ready to like strangle him. Question: Do you think his performance of Quig was queer coded? Oh, you know what? I thought a little bit. Yeah, there were instances. So I thought also, though I thought Keith was a little queer coded in my opinion. But the whole mama's boy thing, and like <laughs> really oh, trying right. really hard to make sure to prove he's a heterosexual with his woman. Yeah. <laughs> who kind of was like over him to be quite honest she's just like i don't know like she tur- she turned on the proposal yeah i mean she kept making fun of him like is your mom there you yeah. fucking creep <laughs> um yeah he he uh, what's it called when he comes back uh when he comes back for a visitation or whatever right he gives his mother the kiss first before her <laughs> yeah seriously it's yeah it's so awkward it's so um, yeah it was that it was not good not aged well at all yeah yeah um, uh but no humphrey bogart's character a little queer coded yeah i could see that and stuff it's uh, it was during the whole strawberry incident the way he was like you know putting the thing on his toast and stuff i'm like mm-hmm. i'm getting queer coded vibes here um you know, you know which <laughs> the, but it was the 50s in the 1950s, you had to show that he was different yeah. right how do you he show was, he's different he was how's queer. his wrist yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> um so you truly hated these properties no i uh what's it called so to be honest i uh like they're not my favorite it's not my genre that i like to go to but it did like i was ready to tap out of the of 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 the recent one mm. like after 30 minutes i'm just like i'm not gonna sit through an hour and 40 minutes of courtroom scenes but i ended up without knowing it watching the whole thing right that's like great. Eddie and I both sat through it. We were just like, "Huh, well, here we are. We finished the movie. What an abrupt ending, too! Like, why? Uh, uh, drink us on his face, and it just cuts to like the credits. I'm just like, wow, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that was so. Like, I'll tell you this: Andy yeah. Cohen would never, would never, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, uh, maybe I, maybe I'm missing it, and Nicole, if you have some insight. But the whole idea of this guy having this book coming out. Right? Is is it just like they made such an emphasis on this? Is it just a play that this was guy that was probably smart and probably 
knew how to write a good story, so to speak, to be able to be the mastermind for this. Like, I was trying to think, why was this book so important? They do bring it up a lot in both films. Yeah, you know. that he's an that author. He's an author. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that he's, like, he's the true author of the mutiny, too. You know, yes, they use yes. it in like that. He's kind of a puppet master in some yeah. ways. I don't know. Do you think it's attacking authors and creatives, too? <laughs> in a little bit, because Maybe. there was a point also where he's just like, now you're going to be an author and you're going to go marry a starlet. I'll be like, what? I don't think this guy has any perception of reality here. Like, an author who got a $10,000 advance is now going to go marry a Hollywood actress? Like, what fantasy world is this? Because we know it's 2022, right? We know the yeah. dates. And we know it's I at know. least 2022. So it's just like, in what world will a Hollywood actress look at an author who made a $10,000 advance on a book? She laughed. Seriously. She, yeah. Yeah. Like, Not true. That That's definitely a 50s line that... That should have stayed in the fifties. <laughs> Maybe that happened in the fifties, but not certainly not now. Oh, yeah. The Hollywood actors are just like, please, I made half a million on my advance. Woody, get yeah. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like... Now, do you think this was due for an update, a remake? Because also, oh, I, I want to say that William Friedkin, the original, also he also um, did the nineties remake of Twelve Angry Men. Mm-hmm. So this is his second. I guess made for TV, a courtroom drama remake that he's responsible hmm. for. Um, so I don't know. I mean, in terms of things that it's saying about the military, right? We're in a way more cynical era. This yes. is the postmodern era. This is post 21st century era. So like, and now I'm sure you can attack or question the military without feeling the wrath that they could have in the 50s. But they're not saying anything that differently the tone is different the message not so much so Mm -hmm. what do you think i don't think it was necessarily doing anything no i think this was a little more critical of the of at least the order the hierarchical order and like how it shouldn't be questioned i think it was a little bit more critical if though a little bit muddied Mm, okay i i mean i think it's i think it's very interesting story i think everything and every question that it proposes is interesting especially because none of us are you know military people and have that mindset and it is a completely different mindset what it is to be you know a leader to be a coward to have respect it's all completely different you know we might have a listener who is in the military that is outraged by you know the ways that we are thinking about this property and stuff so we we never know um, it is it's just a different world mm-hmm. and kind of shedding light on it is one of the most interesting things about both the properties and mm-hmm. how they could say the same thing and say it differently is is really get kind of different tones and and get different emotions from both properties is I think worth the fact that they remade it alone if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, I think it, I was entertained I really enjoyed myself but I'm a fan of the genre and I think people should give it a shot. I'm like so glad that you agreed to do this with me so last minute. Um, so yeah. thank you. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I finished it. I found myself like having a discussion, a thoughtful discussion with Eddie and yeah. followed it up here. And thank you for re- yeah, recreating it for us. Cause we, yeah, definitely. basically. Yes, yes, that was my Academy Award performance. <laughs> but I do also, I think the cheapness of the movie does follow. It does look cheap. 
like so cheap. I mean, right? when it's shot in one location and stuff, yeah. In two weeks, yeah, it's 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 yeah, not a high bar. But uh, I want to say the one thing I was already I was almost ready to give up in the first five minutes because after like the opening scene, it cuts to the title card, but the title card is literally just a picture and a text on it. It's a picture. It's not video it's a picture and i'm just like is that really just a picture they're just using a in in 2023 we're just using a picture for a motion picture Hmm. as our title card it felt i felt like oh this is does not bode well and have you seen the poster art for this movie yeah oh you thought it was horrible yeah it was you like it that yellow ship and keith is all in his face indifferent no no, thank you. I, 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 yeah, no, horrible marketing for this movie. But <laughs> the marketing could content. definitely be better. Absolutely, good content. But I would say, I would say so too. And did you enjoy it, Eddie? Um, yeah, I like. I, I definitely it 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 picked up. Um, I, it wasn't like I said, it wasn't my favorite courtroom drama. Um, I won't add it to my list of favorite courtroom dramas. Yeah, but, not top um, five, did, but. I did enjoy um I, I did how things were coming together towards the last act when it just really felt like okay this picked up. Now it was getting interesting. Now things are becoming clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I say give it a shot, guys. If you're still listening to this podcast, if you're intrigued by some of the conversations that we've had, you should definitely go on to Showtime or Paramount Plus Plus Showtime and watch it. It's brand new, and it's... Is it exclusive for Paramount? I know it's a Paramount company, but is this exclusive for Showtime Paramount? Yes, it is exclusive oh. for Showtime, so... Okay, this um. is... So it's not... It's not a... Uh, what's the word? I mean, let me tell you. The quality of this felt... Because I, 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 I was wondering, it's like, is this a Showtime exclusive? Because, like, geez, it pales in comparison to, like, an HBO original. Yeah, I, I guess that's why they picked <laughs> it up and stuff. I don't... I mean, you know... I still enjoyed it, though. I liked the fact that it felt like this movie was, you know, could have came out like 20, 25 years ago and probably been released in theaters. And yet here we are 25 years later and it's direct to showtime and it feels old. Like mm. and times change so fast. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys think? Did you watch it? Have you seen either property? You could read the original one on YouTube or Amazon for like three bucks. And what do you think about the conversation that we had? It was a good one. You could reach out to us by emailing us. Are you telling reboots. them what to seek? <laughs> am I? Yes, I am. Yeah, it's like, it was a good one. It was a good one. So tell us how good it was because there's no other opinions. Thank you. Uh, you could email us, remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Remakes Podcast. We're also available on Facebook and YouTube by searching and finding Remakes Reboots Revivals. And last but not least, if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform, please go on over there and give us a rating. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. We'd love to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cool. So next week I won't be here because I'll be working uh, across the country, but it's going to be a really great episode with Rolando and Eddie and a special guest. So guys, stay tuned next week for that one. And then I'll be back in two weeks. Promise things that we may not deliver. Oh, never mind. Oops. You can cut that. <laughs> no, out. it's all oh, good. We'll we're we're gonna we're we're aiming to do this. We we will deliver. We promise. Stand to deliver. Cool. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, well, that's it. God bless America. And until next time, stay Stay unoriginal. unoriginal.